I just want to say welcome to the sanctuary of our almighty God, where we come as one body, differences you can check at the door, one voice and one accord to worship him and bring glory to him, whatever it is that we're doing. And I want to say welcome to our visitors this morning. You're most welcome and hope you feel the presence of the Lord here. This morning, I want to look at this word that the Lord put on my heart. The sacrificial offerings that God set up under the law of Moses and why he did it and how he did it. And if you would please turn to the book of Numbers chapter 14. Last week we talked about how God had a dual intent for the children of Israel, being in the wilderness for the 40 years and experiencing all the things that they had to go through and what happened to them there. And his dual intent was, number one, he wanted to bless them. He wanted to love them and be their God, but they weren't ready. So he had to spiritually grow them up in the wilderness, as we know, and teach them dependence on himself and simply convince them that he was their God and that he was the only true living God who did want to bless them. And that duality never changed in, despite their behavior, despite the time, it never changed. You also remember that the spies that were sent out two by two to go scout out the promised land, and they brought back an evil report, which against the word of God, they said, that they couldn't take the land even though God had promised them that he had given them the land and yet they brought back a report of doubt and despair except for Caleb and uh, Joshua and Caleb and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. This and the continued disobedience, the doubt and the idolatry that they practiced right in the face of God provoked or tempted God, as the Bible says, 10 times so that God implemented a detour and turned them away from entering into the promised land and turned them back into the wilderness. And he pronounced these curses on them who had disobeyed and brought the evil report. If you'll look at chapter 14, verse 25, and now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley, the promised land. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Verse 29, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old upward which have murmured against me. Verse 30, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, 
31, but your little ones, which you said would be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. God cared about the babies and the little ones, and he said, you were willing to make them pray, but no, not so, I will bring them in. But even with this new plan, this detour, the children of Israel remained in disobedience for the large part, and they tried to overtake the Amalekites and the Canaanites who were dwelling in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. But they did it without God's blessing, and as a result, they were severely smitten and beaten back. Yet, in the 40-year delay, God wanted to bless them with the very land that he'd promised them. So he gave them something to hope for. We're going to look at verse in uh, Numbers chapter 15. The commentator that I read said that the bulk of the 40 years, by the time we get to Numbers 15, that the bulk of the 40 years had already passed. And so now they were getting closer to actually receiving the promise. And as, as uh, you get into chapter 15, the next 20 or so chapters chronicles that 40-year period. So if you want to know more about that, read the chapters on beyond uh, Numbers 15. And we're going to read verses 2 through 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak this unto the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land of your habitations, which I give unto you. So he says, in other words, don't worry about it. I gave you the land and when you get there, this is what you're going to do. This was a promise of their eventual victory and that they would eventually be settled in the land. And then God instituted the laws of the four classes of sacrificial offerings that they were to offer when they came into the land because it was there that God would bless them and provide plenty for them to use for these offerings that he set up. So God himself gave them the means when they entered into the land to conduct these sacrifices. And you remember as Abraham took Isaac up the mountain and he was just about ready to sacrifice his only son, he looked into the thicket, into the bush, and there was the lamb, there was a ram, and he said, God has provided himself the sacrifice. So the four offerings that God set up here in the uh, 15th chapter, the burnt offerings, the sacrifices when you're performing your vows before the Lord, free will offerings, and offerings for the solemn feasts. In chapter 15 alone, we read six times that all of these sacrifices would be a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. And the type of offerings could come from any of these categories according to the wealth and the status of the worshiper. 
They could be herds from herds of cattle, including cows, oxen, bulls, calves, and heifers, flocks of rams, lambs, sheep, goats, and kids, from fowl, pigeons, and turtle doves. You may remember in Luke 2, when Mary offered two turtle doves at the birth of Jesus Christ because she was a poor person. She couldn't afford to purchase or didn't have flocks to pull, uh, you know, big, large, sacrificial animals. But God even made a way for the poor, even in the promised land, to have sacrificial uh, animals to give. And then there was the heave offerings. You may have read about the heave offerings, which were from the fields. These were the grains of wheat and the barley, the olive oil, and the wine from the grapes that grew in the vineyards. And the grain and the oil could be combined together with salt to make a flat bread for the heave offering, which would be raised and lowered up to God in symbolic um, action that the people had done the work to give the offering back to God. And then it would be given as food for the priests. And God designated every amount of these things which would be offered to him. But in addition to the burnt offerings and the grain offerings, all of these were to include a drink offering. And the drink offering was different because it was to be poured out around the altar where the burnt offerings would be offered. And these uh, drink offerings were to be set amounts according to the amount of burnt offerings that would be made. And the drink offerings symbolized the works of the worshipers, what they went through to get to the offering and give it to Jesus, or excuse me, to God. Reading still in Numbers 15, verses 6 and 7, for an offering of a ram, in verse 7, for a drink offering, thou shalt offer the third part of a hen of wine, which was about two quarts, if one ram was offered, but more if there were more rams offered. And this would be for a sweet savor to the Lord. And likewise, for every animal that was sacrificed, regardless of the total number of animals that were being sacrificed, the drink offering would be poured out around the altar to the Lord. I read that there was a very distinct process that the Lord required that the drink offering not be poured on top of the burnt offering. Why? Because that's how the pagans did it. And God didn't want his offering to be mixed up with or confused with what the pagans did. So he said it would be poured all around, on the ground, around the burnt offering, and it would be a sweet savor to him. Now, within all of these sacrificial laws, as I said, the Lord provided some portions for the priests 
and also some for the worshipers that they would consume upon the sacrifice day, the worship day, in a fellowship meal. Guess what we're going to do in a little while? We're going to have a fellowship meal. Thank the Lord it won't be burnt, but, uh, well, we hope it won't be burnt anyway. And God did provide for the priests, and he did provide for the meal for the people, even with the offerings that were given him. But not so with the drink offerings. Unlike the meat and the grain offerings, they were in their entirety poured out upon the ground for the Lord around the altar of sacrifice. None of it was consumed by the priests or the worshipers. It was all sacrifice to God. None was reserved. None was held back. None was consumed. But it was all given on the altar. Some examples of the drink offerings are Jacob in Genesis chapter 35. He built a pillar as a memorial to God and he poured out his drink offering uh, after God had changed his name to Israel and he poured out his drink offering there around the, the pillar that he had built where God communed with him and changed his name to Israel. In 2 Samuel, David, you remember he had gone out to battle and he came back with his men. They were so hot and thirsty and tired and his men risked their lives to go to Bethlehem to get water and bring it back to refresh them. But David wouldn't drink it. He poured it out as a sacrificial offering to the Lord instead of drinking it himself. You can see some of the symbolisms in these offerings, especially in the drink offerings, that we come to God with everything we have, nothing reserved, nothing held back, for we have nothing in ourselves worth holding back. Everything we have belongs to him. You might be wondering, well, what is this drink offering being poured out to God that creates a sweet savor to him? What does it have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked. In the New Testament, after the temple sacrifices were no longer in place because Jesus became our living sacrifice Paul, in, in Philippians 2 and 17, said these words, Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith. Paul said, my life is being poured out as a drink offering to the Lord because of your faith and your service to the Lord. Therefore, I can rejoice and share my joy with all of you. And again, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, as Paul was handing the reins of church leadership over to Timothy, and encouraging him to serve others and to keep on and in the faith, even after Paul's impending death, he said that his very life was already being poured out 
as a drink offering to the Lord. So now we've gone from the physical wine or water being poured out before the Lord as a drink offering to the sacrifice of our lives and service being spent for others or poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. And now if you would turn to Romans 15, verse 1. Romans 15, 1. I'm so thankful that the Lord gave me that message two or three weeks ago about the rhema of the word. I can tell you every single time I've stood up here since I preached that message, when I get to the rhema, well, here it is, Romans 15, 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, is written, the reproaches of those who reproached me, or excuse me, reproached you, fell upon me. Jesus was not the drink offering. He was the sacrifice. He was the lamb that was sacrificed. We are the drink offering to him. We pour ourselves out. What? For the benefit of the weak. For those that don't have the strength in God to stand. Those who have needs. I have, I have mentioned before, and I'm going to mention it once again. I didn't tell the boys that I had done this. They probably wouldn't have liked it if I had told them. Last week, there's a lady in the forum that I belong to on Facebook called the Buy Nothing Project. And I'm going to just interrupt this here to tell you this little story. And I've told you about her once before. She has three children, all teenagers. And they have nothing. They, they live in a one-bedroom apartment here in Campbell. And the, the purpose of this forum is to either give something away or ask if you need something that somebody else has. Well, hers are always, I need milk. I need cereal. I need bread. I need cat food. I need this, 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 and this. My children have grown three feet and they can't fit in any of their clothes. I need clothes. I need shoes. It's, it's a constant thing. And I have provided to her multiple times. That's not the point. The point is she asked for, does anyone have a decent Android phone? that you're not using. I have a prospect of a new job, and it's a great job. I can provide for my children. Her husband recently left her, the father of the kids. Immediately, I wrote back and I said, I do, but I need help getting the personal stuff off of it because I've never done that. That's what I had children for. 
And they would have helped me do that if I had asked them. But I didn't want to tell them. <laughs> this phone is perfectly good. It might be two, three years at the most old. And I said, I would like to give it to you. So we made the arrangement for her to come and, oh, she said, all you do is go to settings and there's a factory reset option. Just choose it and it'll take away everything that wasn't there when you bought the phone. You guys will probably all know this, but I had never done it. And by the way, I have a stack of four laptops in my office because they've got personal stuff of Jim's business on them and we can't even get them to charge to get it off. So this was an issue to me. She told me how to do it and within two minutes it had wiped itself clean and recharged and it was ready to go. She came and got the phone. And as soon as she pulled out, I said, Lord, I pray that this phone will change her life in some silly little way, that it will allow her to be the strong, independent lady that you can make her to be. In about an hour, she called me a FaceTime call. I don't even remember if it was on my, I, I don't remember how she did it, on my computer, I think. Anyway, there she pops up and she said, I'm at Walmart and I'm having a problem. Do you know if this phone is locked or unlocked? And I went, oh, I have no clue. I, I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't even know what that means really. She said, well, if it's locked, I won't be able to use it. And I said, I'm going to pray that it's unlocked. She said, if I can't use it, I'm going to bring it back to you because it's a really nice phone. About an hour later, she called me again and she said, it's locked and I won't be able to use it. And she brought it back. I'm only telling you this because it moved me so much and I felt like in some little way, I was being a drink offering before the Lord, giving something of great value, actually, to somebody who is completely undeserving, if you will. Not that I'm judging her in any way, I'm not. And as I said, I've given to her many times before. But the point is, are any of us worthy? Are any of us equipped? Are any of us worthy to give anything to God that we have? The greatest value that we have is nothing to him. And that's why it made me feel like I had been poured out, even though unfortunately she wasn't able to use it. I figured if it wasn't, if it was possible to get it unlocked, the place she took it to, would have been able to do it, so I had no more help for her. But if we are to be 
drink offerings before the Lord to others who have need, who have weakness. They're not strong and can't stand on their own. Then we must be full of something to give. We must be full of the wine of those good works that we do and the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us to have something worthy to be poured out to others. If you would look at verses 13, you may think, I have nothing to give. I, I really probably put myself in that situation. I can give her Cheerios, although she says her kids won't eat anything that isn't full of sugar. Well, sorry, but I don't buy any of that kind of stuff. But we have to be full of something to give. Verse 13. Here's what we can give. Because it didn't come from us. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, with peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. I think I skipped to uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy. I may be, did I, am I wrong? Is not in um, Romans. I think this is 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. Anyway, wherever it is, it's, it is in the Bible. And, and Paul is saying, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Who put it there? He did. Filled with all knowledge, he put it there. And able to admonish one another. And if you know him, then you have the means with which to be a drink offering. Able to be poured out before the Lord for the good and the benefit of others. Remember I told you that none of the drink offering was reserved. None was held back or none was consumed, but it was all sacrificed. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to take communion um, Don, you might want to move the camera because I'm just going to ask you to come forward. You can get your own elements here, if you will, and just stand in the front with us for a few minutes. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, hope, abounding in these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And concerning you, my brethren... I'm convinced that you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. As we take these communion elements, Don, I'm going to ask you to pray over the bread, and Doug, would you pray over the, the juice? Just ask the Lord to fill up 
Thank you, Audrey. Fill up your reservoir of these things that you can be, thank you, that you can be the drink offering and pour yourself out for the good and the benefit of others. Don, would you pray for the bread? Jesus. We remember, Take the bread. And Doug, if you would pray over the cup. Jesus. Lord, as we remember the high price you paid. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we can take the cup. Father, we want to be that drink offering poured out for the benefit of others, Lord. For the weak among us, Lord, or even not among us, Lord. For you said we'd have the poor with us always and we can take care of them. Help us, Lord, not only to pour out material things, oh, but like Paul and Silas going to the temple, they said, we don't have money, oh, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can give it to you. You can know that. You can know that, too, that healing touch, that salvation that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Oh, don't you want to be that drink offering? Don't you want to be that one that the Lord taps on the shoulder and says, tell her you will give her the phone. Tell her you will help her kids with shoes. Tell her you will do this or that. And I will bless you as you do these things for me. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this beautiful, beautiful group of people that you've called together in one accord today. And I pray, God, for this time of fellowship now. You even instituted it, Lord, when you set up the sacrifices, that there would be plenty, Lord, for the worshipers. Lord, we thank you that there will be plenty. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed it to the nourishment of our bodies. And we ask you, Lord, to be with us for the remainder of this day and beyond. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.
Hallelujah. Uh, can I just say something? Yeah. Um, since the, the food is coming, I believe, at 1230, oh, okay. um, I'm going to tell a 30-minute story. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Um, <laughs> I was praying a lot this week for this service. I just felt a, a need to do so, you know, just desperate to see the Lord move and to be touched by his presence. And so, you know, a lot of prayer this week for today. Last night, I was listening to the scripture on the phone, and I'm in 2 Samuel, uh, and uh, I was really thinking, I need a scripture. I want to have a scripture to open the service with. But what I was listening to didn't really seem applicable, although the, the best part of what I listened to was as it, as it gets to the end of 2 Samuel, near the end of David's life, and it's recounting the story of David's might, mighty men, several stories and um, the exploits of his mighty men. And one of those was when David was, I think they were encamped somewhere in, at battle and he was thirsty. And he said, oh, I long for the water of Bethlehem. And his mighty men said, okay. And they charged in, broke through the ranks of the Philistines, took water, I think out of a fountain or something in Bethlehem, took it back to him. And he then said, I can't drink this. He said, this water is more precious than the blood of the men who risked their lives to get it for me. And he poured it out as an offering to God, which I thought, oh my goodness, if I'd have risked my life for giving you that water that you said you wanted, and then you dumped it out, you know, like, come on. Um, and I, th I thought, well, that was the only, the only scripture that I listened to that I really liked, but that has no application to our service um, and what would you, I thought, well, how could you integrate that? And I said, okay, well, we just went and bought a bunch of drinks for today, for lunch, a bunch of little waters. I said, I will put water. I told Audrey this last night. I said, what if I put waters all around on the pews and then I read the scripture and I tell people, you're free to drink the water. Please don't pour it out onto the floor because no one went to Bethlehem to get it. It's simply from Costco, and you're free to drink it and enjoy it. And Audrey said, you know, we have a lunch today. We need to be concise and, you know, not waste too much time. And I said, you're right. Plus, that's really hokey. Uh, you know, it's, it's not serious. It's, it's silly. So dismissed it, you know. But I thought, to, you know, she kind of nudged me like, and had we done that, that would have been quite integrated with today's service. But she also mentioned, and I appreciate this word, this service, uh, because in what we do, it's great to know that it matters. It's great to know that the Lord appreciates our service, the little things, the big things, and anything he equips us to be able to do, we can do as an offering to the Lord.